Hello and welcome to what I'm going to call a free preview of In The Money Plus. A lot of times within The Money Plus we pop up when there are things like mandatory payouts and carryovers and things like that. This one is for our partner track Gulfstream. So with that in mind, we're going to give this one away for free. And it's also a good time of the year just to mention that we're almost at that magic point where if you sign up for Plus, you get for just one month all of the Keeneland coverage and the Derby package, which you know, I've, we've had people tell us that the Derby package alone is worth the annual expense, let alone the monthly expense. So we're hoping folks will check that out. It's a great way to support us, get extra content, little digests of picks from all the shows, etc. In the money podcast.com slash plus the place to go for that. And if you don't want all that commitment, uh, but you do want to keep up on everything going on in the network, we suggest you sign up for a free email that has some uh, proprietary content as well as just the best way to keep track of everything going on. Like I said, in the money podcast.com slash email for that one, Peter Thomas Fornital back with you in the bunker. Once again, after just what was an incredible day for us, you know, we try not to brag too much. I feel like, I don't know. It's just not, a, it's not a great look for people in this horse racing prognostication business. You know, you, even when you're great, you're wrong so often that when you're right, it feels a little cheesy slash touty to brag too much. But I have to say, if you listen to our stuff, between the job that uh, today's guest and Andy Serling did on the Gotham Day Pick 6, Eric DeCoster in his write-ups over on the site, he was spot on. Matt Magvolgi came on the live stream and uh, gave out a ticket for the Coast to Coast Pick 5 that uh, ended up hitting for over 20000 because uh, he added a couple of times uh, the, way, the way he described it on there. And then we had uh, me and J.K., JK and me, uh, JK and I actually pushing the uh, the Darth Vader horse that uh, got that sequence off to a great start. And then later on in the night, Duke Matisse um, given out the the Mendez mile or whatever that horse was, the Mendez horse that uh, that paid $54 and was one of the, the several prices in that pick six mandatory payout. But, you know, maybe the most impressive achievement of all comes from today's guest who they might consider naming this contest after him. He's won it so many times. The Gotham Day Naira Betts contest taken down by none other than in the money media's own Nick Tamaro. Nick, how are things? Doing great, my friend. It was a very, very good day, as you said. So glad to uh, have experienced it. No doubt about it. I was I was particularly proud of the the uh, work that Andy and I did on the, the Gotham podcast. And I started listening to some of the other stuff and was like, wow. Yeah, we were we were pretty much all over it. So I've always taken the approach in life that self praise is no praise at all. But sometimes you have to recognize that you did a few good things. So hopefully everybody out there was able to cash a few winners. And it was nice to have the uh, Donnie Nelson from Naira actually texted me a couple of weeks ago and said, hey, the contests are coming back. And he texted me yesterday when the Aqueduct card was over and he said, such an easy game. <laughs> How many of these things have you won? Have Can, can you even count? I think this is the fifth one in uh, the last like eight months, <laughs> roughly. And I've been so in one of them, I finished one too. That was actually the one that I was proud of the most. You were just showing off at that point. Yeah, I actually enjoyed the one, two, one quite a bit. But no, yeah, yesterday's worked out well. I had a I had a good opinion in the sixth, and I, I what I've realized, Pete, is that I this price point is where I'm very comfortable because I'm I have no qualms with going all in early. And, you know, anybody out there who's listening, who's playing these things, if you're trying to win these things, betting $40 increments at a time, you just have no shot. Right. So unless you're making show bets to give yourself bankroll or, or basically minimum 
um, minimums out of the way, you're not going to win betting 40 bucks. I, I made that mistake the first year they, they had them, you know, trying to hit $40 cold exactas and things like that. You have to risk your entire bankroll. And, you know, I think the people that are successful in some of the higher volume uh, live money contests are going to say the same thing. You know, I just don't quite have the guts at this point to start risking ten, eight, ten thousand $10,000 at a time. It's generally not been my style. So this fits me very, very well. And so, yeah, I was able to turn the $200 bankroll into 4000 and got a little prize money and a BCBC seat. So on to November. Fantastic work. We'll talk more about that. I, there's more to pick up on on that, but we've got these races starting that we're going to yeah. talk about in just a few hours. So hopefully we'll get you back on this week. No, you'll also be doing our NHC preview show. Folks heading out that way will hopefully have that to listen to. You got a shot to get that done by the uh, by the end of the day tomorrow for people who are flying out early? I think it's going to be done by the end of the day tomorrow, uh, maybe Tuesday the latest. That's what we're shooting for. Great work. All right, let's dive in to this pick six on Sunday at Gulfstream. We kick off with an allowance race for Phillies and Mares. Four and up, we're going a mile and three-eighths on the turf. We've got some in-the-money affiliated uh, folks here with the black-type thoroughbreds. Um, oh, actually, wait, did they sell this horse? <laughs> um no, no. Black type are still very much involved with with Breaker of Chains. I just I the, the owners were listed in a different in a different order. But anyway, I was very much impressed with her run the last day. I just didn't think she was really in any uh great position early. Still came running late. Now second off the long layoff. Uh she comes back here and and is definitely one of the ones that that I want. I think on her blood, she'll handle the stretch out and should be an honest enough pace with several miler types signed on in this spot the other i was interested in was watch it who i thought would get a great forward run and has the blood to excel at this longer trip what numbers are you going to use to light this candle yeah i'm going to use those two and i'm also going to use the seven ambitious um which that's mainly just a trainer not even really much of a pedigree angle <clears throat> grand motion just better generally stretching horses out this yeah. is more of a of a shorter distance type pedigree for the most part but um, this is a horse who at least has performed like she might want a little extra ground. And uh, she was a little pace compromised last time out. So second off the layoff, you know, a little, little angle, I think, given to the, the possibility that she might really benefit from the stretch. I also think she could be a little bit forward. Um, there are some really wild entrants in here and horses that didn't really make sense. None more so than Truancy, who looked like a potentially really nice New York bred sprinter last year and is now suddenly going a mile and three-eighths with no turf pedigree at all. Um, so I, I agree with you. I mean, Breaker of Chains seems a little obvious. She was a little pace compromised last time out. I don't know how good she is, but I'm certainly not going to be knocked out by her. And I would use Watch It more as a backup. So mainly 4-7 for me and a little too. All right, excellent. I'm going to rank them seven and four from what I'm hearing from you. Does that sound That's about right? exactly right. Yep. Okay, excellent. With that, we can move on to race number seven, where we've got this $12,000 maiden claimer for uh, three and up fillies. We're going seven furlongs on the dirt. Nick, we'll keep it with you. I picked the six quick style, who I'm going to use uh, as an A. Second time starter by Lee. You know, Pete, I was kind of looking for a stranger in here. This is a, this is a pretty hungry bunch and one I think that you really – Really can't wrap your your hands around very easily. Um, favoritism is going to be split amongst a few horses that really don't, they don't get my blood flowing. Um, so Quick Style, I think, is a horse that can run a little bit better. Got into it, didn't get out of the gate all that great. Blinkers go on. This is a barn that's quietly having a decent run. The work tab is okay. Workout report have said that her February 16th drill 
was just fine. I get it with Blazing Lee, whose dam was a two-time winner. This is an Eclipse homebred, you know, not exactly a horse loaded with speed or loaded with pedigree. Um, Jonathan Thomas having a very good meet, no surprise there. I'll use both of them. I guess I'll use the three Valiant Miss, who narrowly missed last time out. But boy, if she didn't win last time, it feels awfully hard to believe that she'll ever win setting a, a glacial pace and then still getting run down late. The morning, One of the morning line second choice is the one Prominencia who's run once on dirt and ran fine. I mean, got a 46 buyer speed figure, but it's going to be overbet here based on synthetic form for a high percentage trainer. And obviously, Irad uh, with the blinkers coming off. So six and seven for me is A's. I'm going to back up with the one, three and four and really just hope to get through it. It's not an easy one. As you mentioned, you start to want to look for a stranger when you see a race where none have run the figure par. And that's the case here. But the other thing is that I'll look for in these spots is a horse that might on pace figures uh, be able to be in front. I'm wondering if Valiant Miss wouldn't be better served by actually going a little bit faster and I don't know that they're going to take that approach going seven as opposed to six. And I mean, she just showed no, no uh, discernible finish really in any of these races. And she's had her chances, but I was going to use her as a backup to blazingly blazingly by a good first or sire. And the dam, this dam was speedy led at the first call in all of her races. And she didn't win first out, but she did fire first out might just be the right first-time starter in this group. I was going to try with seven and three here and, and see if I couldn't get through it without spending too much money. I'm, I'm against, uh, even though I understand why you'd back up with Prominencia, I'm, I'm kind of against that, what I'm guessing is going to be a very short price in this in this group. And I'm also against Broadway Charm, who I just think, um, you know, looking at the workouts doesn't appear to be be working as, as well as uh, Blazingly and, Looking at this, this, this dam's had four foals to make it to the races, none of whom have won first out. So that we'll, we'll see if I'm right trying to light fade the one and the four in this spot. Might uh, I think I'll probably throw your six in as a backup on your uh, on your say so at the price that that horse is going to be in a race where really there's a lot of different ways you could go. Race number eight, twenty thousand dollar claimers. We're going a mile and a sixteenth on the grass. I had a price to throw at you to see what you think here, Nick. The one nerves of steel I thought could be interesting, dropping in from a salty allowance race on Pegasus Day. That was the first start on the circuit. Well drawn here and has some fast enough back numbers. There, this could develop into a speed duel, and if nerves of steel gets to be part of that, I, I don't imagine it'll be hanging around. But there's also some back races where this horse was able to, to sit and come running a little bit. That's the trip I want from him. It might be tough from the inside, but a 20 to 1 on the morning line, I was going to mention that one first. Artemis Bridge, I thought, is one that might actually really be suited if that fast pace that I'm half expecting does unfold. You can ignore the last race off turf, and I thought that was legitimate trouble in the run two back. And the 10 Exalt um, beat Artemis Bridge uh, two races back. Now back to the better surface. That Artemis Bridge race, um, the race where they competed together, I thought that was a very strong run for Exalt, um, making a wide move uh, from off that uh, pace. Very hard to improve a horse off Mike Maker, and the post isn't great here. But I, again, I just thought the price would be solid. I was going to mess around with the 1, 4, and 10. I'm open to other ideas as well. Nick, what do you got? Yeah, I mean, this thing is an absolute minefield. And you mentioned a horse in Nerves of Steel that, you know, you can easily just have a few get lost in the shuffle. I picked Artemis Bridge, who I think is is kind of the most embraceable horse. His effort two back and 20 beaten claimer was good. He got kind of shuffled out and stopped at the quarter pole yep. and then really put in a nice late bid. You know, those 
those types of performances can often be a little, they're sort of like eye candy because getting held up was, was actually a decent thing before he produced that strong late run. However, you know, if he's got give, given a free run here, I think it'll help his chances substantially. I, I thought that, uh, that Dr. Ron was a little interesting with Irad getting on. I hate that jockey change from a betting standpoint, but uh, he's been, this is a horse who stretched out to a mile last time out, did get into a little trouble in mid stretch. I don't know how much running he was really going to do before he flattened out, but he still was hurt by that little bit of traffic in the stretch. And so I think a cleaner run is going to help. I hear you on exalt and uh, I'll throw in the 12 Tis romantic as a little bit of an interesting horse coming out of an open 16. He got involved in a very hot pace that day, stayed on gamely. Problem is the post, right? He's going to have to run very hard from out there, but um, I'm wondering if Junior Alvarado might be able to, to maybe get him over and, and get him a couple of links off the lead if somebody really wants to go wild on the front end. So uh, four seven and twelve is ace for me. I'll back up with you know at the very least a one six eight and ten. This just seems like a survival leg. Gotcha. Trying to get through it and move on. Get some interesting stuff coming up uh, directly with uh, the uh, the ninth race on the card. Actually, the interesting races are later. This is the 10 claimer on the on the synth, another race where I think that uh, surviving and advancing might be the way to go. Who did you like in this uh, field of 11? And do you have any strong opinions? Yeah, you know, I, I would probably say that I would make it so that the majority of my plays kind of went through Veloce, who is supposed to win, um, in my opinion. He was good at this level last time out. He's got enough speed to be a factor from the start. Despite this field being gigantic, there's really not very much pace. And I think Saez may use perfect cut from the outside a little bit to stay close. It was sort of remarkable to me that there was as little speed as there is. And, and you know, Pete, as much as I tried to, I couldn't really embrace the alternatives. Uh, winning factor is off a long layoff, avoided claim last out, now in for 10. This looks like kind of a mess and a horse that they made a big mistake taking for 35. Um, the other possibilities, I mean, the other horse that looked like he was going to take money was Burning Man. And, uh, you know, he didn't do, he hasn't, he's not done any running this last two starts. So I don't see really where you could embrace him. So it, it's going to be Veloce for me as a lone A. And, you know, that's going to give me the flexibility to go deep in some of the other legs where you need it. I get it. He was my top pick as well. I did think uh, the pace angle was was significant for that one. We hope, got to hope that uh, Saez doesn't get too aggressive on the outside. Just on figures, I was going to throw in the the three and the eight. I agree, not exciting in in either instance, but I just I, I couldn't come up with anybody else who was going to win. So I, I I've got it. Uh, I've got it. The ten with the three eight in behind, and you're you're going to go stone cold with Veloce here. I am. I'm gonna. I'm gonna ride out Veloce. No guts, no glory. All right. Allowance race that is the tenth is uh, once again a mile and three eighths this time around. This was a race uh, J.K. and I talked about on the Coast to Coast show. Um, I put forward experienced who I thought had the right blood for this. Second time off that long layoff. Howe Street I thought was interesting. Big test. First time against winners, but again, just very interesting in terms of pedigree. The best sibling of this one nearly won a two-mile race for the for the same trainer Abreu, and then uh, I I had the the five and the 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 two and the thirteen potentially listed as uh, backups to those to those runners in this spot. Where are you going to land? Did Dripping Gold get scratched? The ten? 
I see. Are you just not? You you don't like him? I I was going to try to beat Dripping Gold in this spot just from a from a how I saw the the trips evolving point of view and the fact that I think he's going to be shorter than that than that morning. Well, the morning line is is just. I mean, it's. I'm not going to dump on morning line makers because I certainly have made a morning line, but I mean, this horse is like, he's like seven to five in this race on paper. Yeah. I, think like, short. yeah, I, yeah. I mean, the only horses in here that could take as much money as him, I mean, maybe grand journey could take a decent amount of money, but I mean, this horse, especially for West point, looks like he goes below two to one in my opinion. And, and look, I mean, Jonathan's as, top pick as well. As much as I'd like, yeah, and as much as I'd like to poke holes in him, I mean, he's run a number of fast races on turf, and and he ran very well two starts back, and during the the back meet, so to speak, um, where he made a wide move on it when the rail was very very good, when they took the rails down on the inner turf course, he was a good second last time out. My biggest problem with him is that he seems to have an issue sealing the deal. Mm-hmm. So you know that that was my concern, but you know, it, it at least to me, he looked like a horse that you can point to his races and say, okay, if he runs that, he wins. A lot of these other horses are kind of projection plays. Yep. You know, I, I, I assume like you, that house street will benefit from extra ground. Um, Jorge Abreu is a guy that I would trust in this scenario. I'll tell you who I like out of that February 3rd race. Pete is so high. And and I'll say that because the pace more or less came apart in there. And so high was the only one who ran the whole way. This is a, you know, I don't know exactly what the training situation is because Naipaul Chatterpaul was listed as a trainer last time. Aubrey Mirage doesn't have great numbers on the turf. Aubrey Mirage is a significantly more successful trainer than Naipaul Chatterpaul. So, you know, I don't know whether Naipaul's actually been training or it's been transferred or anything like that. But, you know, this horse was kind of funny in that despite being trained by Naipaul, he's actually run well a number of times and he does want to go long on the turf and it feels like the right thing that, that they're doing with him. So I thought maybe him at a, you know, at a bit of a price was a good backup. I'm going to use the 10 and back up with the two and eight and uh, just try and, and get through there. I think my Kate, just to we might as well unpack this a little. I think what I was worried about the most with dripping cold, other than the price situation and the deal ceiling situation was just, the way the race is going to unfold, I feel like this is a horse that likes to be within a couple lengths of the pace. And just looking at pace figures in here, you've got, I mean, on time form anyway, you've got seven runners that are going to be faster. I was just worried they'd have to go faster early than they want to, to be in the spot that they're usually in. And I thought that might take some of the sting out of the finish at a short price, but I mean, you're certainly, you know, any horse that's your end, Jonathan's top pick and in uh, some combinations, I'll work some tens on the ticket. It's not like I despise the horse. I was just trying to be uh, too clever, perhaps uh, too clever by half in there, but we'll see how it plays out on the track. Given the horse that I like in the last, I should definitely have some tens on my tickets. Now this may be another, and again, not to pick on morning lines, but this may be another case where the, the line just isn't, isn't quite right. Cause uh, JK and I, we had the, the same, we had the same uh, top pick and the, and the horse is 20 to one on the morning line. So I'm not sure how that's going to work out, but I want to bring you in to see who you like in this group of three-year-old maiden fillies going a mile and a 16th on the turf. When it comes to this mandatory pick six payout, Nick, how are we going to get paid? You know, it's funny that, so Pete Aiello, who of course is the announcer at, at Gulfstream is the morning line maker. And I think Pete would be the first to tell you that he's a much better announcer than morning line maker. Um, it, it, and, and I'm not saying that to scoff at him. I think Pete's an excellent announcer and morning line, making morning lines is really hard. And, you know, I, this, I could easily see that this is a situation where Pete was working the card from, from first to last and got to this race and 
just looked at a running line and didn't realize that, you know, the reason why this horse finished ninth is because he got completely sawed off at the eighth pole and ended up losing about six lengths at that point. So I saw on Twitter this morning that he put out a revised morning line. Oh, wow. I didn't even uh, know that. Yeah, he, he did. So I guess he was he was looking for a little insurance for the beating that he was already taking, um, <laughs> which, you know, is, is, is a little understandable. Yeah. You line makers, man. You guys are you are the you are the punching bags of the game, aren't you? Yeah, that's really true. I guess it's the low hanging fruit element to it. And the fact that there's just a lot of people on Twitter that like to be rude, I guess, is a nice way to what, put it. What I hate about it the most and look i'm sort of doing it here like it's something for us to talk about i'm not trying to talk about it in a mean way but it's you know it is a conversation point but what i don't like about it is so many jobs where people get criticized they also get complimented when things go well and as i've said many times on these airwaves one one thing i've never heard in all my time in this game and you i'm sure have because you've got people who are on the inside and know what you mean but from a general fan i've never heard them say what a great morning line that was yeah, I mean, I had a couple of people, I will admit, I had a couple of people compliment me after the Breeders' Cup, and I think that probably had to do with the fact that everybody was like, oh my God, after the way Keeneland went, how is this guy going to get through the Breeders' Cup? <laughs> but, <laughs> so, no, I, I, I was I was pleased by that. But yeah, I mean, for the most part, you're going to be, gosh, I mean, you're going to be pff, probably 25 complaints for every compliment. It's sort of, it's like, it's like being a manager of a grocery store. <laughs> right you the only feedback you get from customers is negative right <laughs> and I, I remember years and years ago I went I was in the local grocer and I went up to a manager and I said I said hey are you the manager and he very reluctantly said to me yes and I said I just wanted to compliment the people at the deli counter and I had a great experience there and he was like oh wow he said a compliment <laughs> it's like he was completely shocked so yeah you just don't you know you, you're not used to hearing those but we could go on and on with morning line rants unquestionably um so the interesting two horses in here to me are as far as, as what you could what you're going to do with them are the two foreign bred firsters that were both purchased for real money overseas, the three and four utilization rate and Queen Picasso. And they come from arguably the two best turf barns in the country. Queen Picasso went for 285,000 at Tattersall's October, a utilization rate 110,000 at Arcana in October. Queen Picasso is a half to group one winner acclaim who won the Prix de la Forêt and the work tab here looks very good. The works look even better for utilization rate. So, I mean, to me, Pete, you're not making any pick six tickets without those two on them as well. Mm -hmm. And the problem with King's Secret is that she's a little exposed, right? I mean, everybody, this is the kind of trouble that a lot of sharp players will recognize and then probably stay away from her in a way because she's just going to be, she's going to be overused basically. And, and while she is clearly, and look, I picked her on top. I mean, I'm going to use her, but at the same time, I get a little, I get a little concerned about her trouble being too obvious. Yeah. The, the old, the old international bad trip horse, as we, uh, as we call them, I will say this, I know, you know, we've got a significant number of people listening to this from, you know, more civilized countries where you can bet uh, fixed odds. And there is the sharpest book has, has gotten the memo. And uh, has just a little bit over. It's still not bad though. It's eight to one. I mean, it's seven, seventeen to two on King Secret, and there's tens available uh, at a few places. And there's one place that didn't get the memo at all, where she's twenty. 
So if you're international and you can avail yourself of those opportunities, I'd get them because she ain't going to be going off anywhere near that. And, and I agreed with you on the backups. I mean, honestly, I wouldn't mind on on some tickets having even a, a little bit, uh, even a little bit more coverage. I mean, three and the four are in there, um, absolutely for sure. But I don't hate uh, I don't hate the the, the Clement Furster uh, Preda Touche, the eight runner, and I I don't hate Sunby off a similar angle what you mentioned before in terms of just trusting certain barns to be able to get horses ready for certain responsibilities. I mean, if she were really the nine to two of the morning line, that would be too short, but just in terms of, you know, if you're looking for a few different ways to spread, I'm going to press King secret, but I'll have some, some threes, some fours, some eights and some ones to close this thing out at Gulfstream this afternoon. Any other uh, closing thoughts from you, Nick, before we uh, get this one out there in the ether? No, I think it's a fun sequence. I mean, if you're playing, certainly uh, certainly pack your patience because it's going to be a fun fun sequence, an interesting interesting slate. Good day, competitive day of racing with uh, hopefully some, some wins. Hopefully this momentum we're building over here will continue in this pick six today. We're going to be back this week with uh, several different shows. We'll be doing some recapping. I'll definitely have JK for that. Nick, if you're around, I don't know when you're traveling um, but if you're around Tuesday morning, maybe we can uh, do something with you as well. You can listen to that NHC preview show if you're on your way out there to Vegas. Sean Borman might be doing double duty. I think we'll do another pro player diary. Haven't checked in with him yet to see how Hong Kong went last night. But uh, And then I think heard a rumor that he might be the next guest on JK Plus One, where they'll be going into more of the historical stories and things. So. Great stuff coming up. I mean, this is really where the rubber meets the road in terms of the Triple Crown and preps and coverage. And we've got it all for you here in the moneypodcast.com. Nick, thank you one more time. And thanks to everybody out there uh, who is, I usually close these shows by saying thanks to everybody out there for subscribing to In The Money Plus. But in this case, it's uh, thanks definitely to those of you who already do that. And thanks even more to the people who hopefully will be joining in the moneypodcast.com slash plus for that. May you win all your photos.